hi, I'm your host, Paula Wiseman, and on this month's podcast, I'm chatting with comedian and performer and podcaster, Mr. Joe Rooney. So, hi, Joe, thanks for chatting with me today. Oh, no problem, Paula. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Um, so, you're probably best known to people for your roles in Kinder Scully as uh, Timmy Higgins, and also, obviously, as Father Damo in Father Ted. So, I mean, how did it all kind of start for you initially? I was actually, uh, maybe it's because I was in a band and we used to get comedians to support us, a band called Guernica, and uh, we had a few comedians support us with uh, actually Sean Hughes and he was in a double act called The Short and Curlies, and Paul Tylack, who was a friend of mine, and Paul Tylack was really into comedy and we used to kind of make little... uh, audio tapes together just kind of improvising and stuff and uh, when the band finished we decided to do kind of sketch comedy and musical comedy together and uh, our first gig was I was still in the band at the time actually but our first gig was uh, with uh, Gavin Friday had a club down on the Keys and uh, we got about an hour or two hours notice that he wanted a comedy act <laughs> and we got a set uh, together in that time which only lasted about a, a 10 minutes or whatever it went really well so I was kind of hooked on it then yeah. Was it something you always wanted to do like when you left school obviously you don't think oh, I'm going to be a comedian when I leave school did you have other aspirations? Um, yeah when I left school I, 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 my aspiration was to leave home I just got a job in a restaurant <laughs> uh, obviously it wasn't very fulfilling or whatever but it was just a, a means to an end to get money so I could pay rent and that kind of fit, but I was always into comedy and music, and uh, but I didn't, yeah, I didn't think I was going to be a comedian, but I was always into comedy, and um, I, I, like, it wasn't something that people did. Uh, it was, it was like not in Ireland. Mm. I mean, it was great comedy in England and great American comedy, but the Irish comedy was, I, I there was no one that I that was doing Irish comedy that I liked, really. Mm. So it wasn't something that I thought I could do, you know. You've kind of gone into improv as well now over the past the past few years. I've seen you at um, some of the comedy festivals doing improv and that. I mean, what's that like uh, going into? Well, it's actually uh, it's actually quite enjoyable. It's actually more enjoyable to do stand-up because it's a laugh. You know what I mean? To do it is a laugh. <laughs> and um, actually, you know what? I, I, I did a, an improv course a week-long course back, way, 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 way back uh, when I just started doing comedy. And that's how I met Arla Hanlon and Barry Murphy, Kevin Gilly, a guy called Dermot Camp. But anybody who was doing comedy, uh, and I didn't know who they were at yeah. the time, but they were doing a li- they were doing the international. And that's how I met those people. Like, and, uh, Basically, it seemed like anyone who was doing comedy did this course. And there was like Tom Boyd, who's an actress, and... Uh, a few other Rose Henderson who's in Father Ted she's a nun um, anybody who was in comedy at the time almost in Dublin did this improv course so yeah. that's how I met everybody it was bizarre that that's how anyway so um, uh, we and, and, and we did uh, after doing that course we did do uh, an improv uh, show every Saturday night for a few months in the uh, Project Theatre uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I did actually do it a long time and then I stopped doing it and uh, and then I, I got back into it maybe uh, seven or eight years ago with, in doing the Monday nights in the International I love it though I really love doing improv yeah. it's, it, it is kind of a, once you get used to it it's, it's fun and when you yeah. start doing it it's like stand up as well it's it's really nerve-wracking. You think when you go up, you go, 
I don't know what I'm going to say next. Yeah. But in fact, that's the hard, that's what you, it's, it's very hard to let yourself feel that. Uh, when you start doing improv, you think of something you think is going to be hilarious before you, before you get right. up. And that's not, that's not a good thing to do. <laughs> good thing to do is clear your mind and just let uh, and, uh, whatever comes out comes out and bizarrely that's really hard to do <laughs> I mean that's the thing I don't suppose you can relax if you're doing improv you don't want to relax yourself too much because you've kind of got to be ready for the whatever comes next you know yeah 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 you got to be uh, I mean you've got to be relaxed but uh, but ready but ready uh, it's, it's strange uh, dichotomy but you've got to be like uh, so it is kind of hard if you're not in a if you've been, say, you know, you, you play these kind of games, but if you're out uh, out of it for uh, 10 minutes where you haven't been on 10 minutes during a show, uh, the ten, yeah, you, you kind of still can't relax. Yeah, you know what I mean? you you got to be honest. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> still relax, but, but relax. Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't think it was something that you could learn. I didn't know whether it might be, it's kind of a natural thing that you learnt as you kind of went along, do you know what I mean? It was a skill that you learned. I didn't know there were courses that you could do. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could do a course because at the beginning it's kind of good to remind yourself mm. what you might be doing wrong because what basically, uh, you know, the kind of basics of improv is whatever somebody else says on stage, you go with that. Yeah. And the tendency is to block, what you call blocking is Somebody goes, oh, hello, Dr. Rooney or whatever. And you go, and, and you you are then a doctor. You have to go with that and make a bigger <laughs> tendency sometimes to go, oh, I'm not a doctor, uh, but you don't do that. That's called blocking. Right. So, but it's just to remind yourself. But now at this stage, I, I, don't, I don't do that many workshops on it. But over the years, I have done more, you know, just to remind yourself what you're doing wrong, you know, that you're, you're not um, uh, true to the, uh, I mean, you can block. Do you know what I mean? It's like something you learn the rules and then you throw away the rule book, that yeah. kind of thing. But yeah, anyway, sorry. Yeah, what I'm saying is you yeah. do need to do work. You do need to do a workshop on it before you ever do it. Yeah, yeah. You do need. To do I mean, music, music seems to be an integral part of what you do, part of your comedy. Uh, you always seem to have a guitar with you. Um, I remember back in the day, Pascal Mercury was one of my favourite uh, ah. thing parodies and things that you used to do. It was just inspired. <laughs> Oh yeah, that was. Class. I mean, that's way back. Yeah, that was a long uh, I can't time ago. Remember that? Yeah, uh, Pascal was a bit like, well, obviously based on um, Freddie Mercury. Yeah, but he was an Irish actor, <laughs> big camp. Yeah, um, with huge teeth. <laughs> yeah, like one of my favourite uh, characters, I think. Oh really? That's cool. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I did it. I, I, did you see it? On, I did it on TG. Or TG character. Or... Yeah, I think it was at live shows. It might have been the live shows back in the day. I did it on live. I did a few live shows. With Patrick McDonald, yeah. Yeah. Did that character. Yeah, and like parodies of you know, like uh, talking about singing your kids to sleep and uh, these like nursery rhymes and things that you used to do. Oh as well. well, I did, uh, I, uh, and I still do that bit uh, every now and then where I do Dave Bowie and yeah. Lou Reed and uh, singing nursery rhymes. Yeah, but you know what, I. I uh, I always love music, so um, and those people have such unique voices. Bowie or Lou Reed, Morrissey, obviously Elvis, Johnny Cash, or yeah. whatever. I kind of find it hard now to find someone modern that has a really unique voice like that. I mean, without using with uh, a lot of voices now in modern music are uh, played around with in the studio. Mm. So it's all like 
uh, auto tune and all that kind of stuff, and I don't have that technology. <laughs> so, did you teach yourself guitar, to... or did you learn? Did you? Have to yeah, go somewhere I to did. Learn? I actually, I actually learned guitar from doing comedy. I was in a band and didn't play an instrument. I was mm. a singer. But then when we started in comedy with the double act, I, uh, you know, I taught myself three chords, and then, I mean, I was terrible when we started <laughs> out, particularly. And I've got a little bit better, and I wouldn't call myself a musician now, but uh, I, I know enough to be able to, to use it on stage. And sometimes I, off stage I use the guitar, but sometimes I use a backing track. And, uh, and my son has written some backing tracks for me. Yeah, he's, he's doing well as well, isn't he? He's in his band. Is it Modern Love? Yeah, Modern Love, one word. And uh, yeah, they're doing quite well, actually. There's a few songs up on Spotify. They're, they're going um, They're doing a few gigs in the UK next year. This year, this year, sorry. And... Uh, yeah, they're doing good. They're a good band. I like them, actually. Yeah. So you started uh, podcasting a little while back, Podaruni. Um, so how did yeah. that? How did that all come about? A lot of people seem to be taking up the, the podcast thing at the moment. Uh, yeah. Well, I was really into it. Uh, I started listening to the part. There was a podcast with Carl uh, Pilkington, uh, and um, it, uh, that just loved it. It just used to crack me up. And then I got into Mark Maher and, and the interviews. And I loved it. And then I was actually asked if I could do a podcast for this guy. He was setting up a kind of network of podcasts. And and I started doing it that way. And then that fell through. And I kept doing it on my own. And eventually I was asked to join up with Headstuff. Uh, So that's who I'm with now. And I'm actually, uh, there's a new podcast coming out in a few weeks. It's an improv podcast, Mm -hmm. an improvised news podcast, which is uh, called 24-Hour News Hour. That's, That's coming out soon. Uh, also, I'm going to do another podcast, <laughs> which is, uh, well, I was asked to do this as well, but uh, myself and Patrick McDonnell, who was you know, Owen McLovin, mm-hmm. Father Ted, we're, we're, going to watch, uh, we're going to watch all the episodes of Father Ted. So each podcast, we watch a different episode and just chat about it and all that kind of stuff that happened back then. And um, perhaps I'll bring in guests who are in the different, yeah. different episodes. It's the 25th anniversary oh, of God. the very first episode of Father Ted uh, this April. Isn't that crazy? Just (laughs) where did that go? I know, yeah, 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 yeah. And I was at the recording of that very first episode. I was in the audience. I used to go over and stay with. Well, I met Graham Lennon years ago because he was in the Hot Press and I was in a band. He interviewed us for our band, and um, and then I met him one night in Dublin, and I was just. I was just saying I've actually gone over to London every now and then and did stand-up. And he said, oh, you can stay with us in Kilburn. They, him and Arthur Matthews had a, a house in in uh, Kilburn. And so I would stay with them. And then when I was staying with them, they were telling me what they were writing this thing about uh, priests, you know, uh, comedy. And, uh, and then I went to see the first episode being shot. So there you go. I was there at the beginning. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, how soon after that were you offered? Uh, were you offered a role? That was uh, I was in the second series, mm. so uh, uh, it was probably probably a year and a half later, maybe. Because um, the first series went out, I think there were six of them, right? And it wasn't huge before; it wasn't massive. So they had a cult kind of audience. Yeah. Definitely in Ireland, I don't. I think people didn't know what to make of it. <laughs> Uh, but while we were shooting the second season, the um, they got a BAFTA, and it, then it really took off from that. They won a BAFTA. That's the thing; you, you can't turn Channel Four on at the moment without finding a finding an episode on there going on. That's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, like I mean, it really 
there, I mean, the people who who come up to me and say, oh, "I saw your father," they're they're only about twenty five, <laughs> so they weren't they weren't alive, you weren't or they were born. only yeah. babies when it first went out. So it's definitely, uh, yeah. Look, I mean, a few lads came up to me. I was out. They were fishermen. They're out in Clotterhead there recently. And they watch it when they're out. They go out uh, fishing for two weeks and they wash <laughs> non-stop. But they're just they're just in their twenties, so they they weren't watching it when it first came out. You know, yeah. it's got a life of its own now. Yeah, but I mean, looking back on it, you look at it now, and it's just a who's who, isn't it, of Irish comedy? It's literally, you know, Tommy Tiernan. Uh, you've got so many great Irish comedians. Yeah, Tommy Turner and Jason Byrne, yeah. Mm. Uh, there was other people like Eddie Bannon who's not doing comedy anymore but was doing comedy back yeah. then, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it is. Uh, it's uh, amazing. Uh, I mean, but I'd say I was lucky as, as long with, uh, along with Patrick McDonald. We, we got to play characters that were, and Michael Redmond as well. Yes, actually, yes, Father Stone. Who, who really stood out. Like, like, they were great characters to play uh, to to be in one episode where you get a character that's also remembered, like it's quite that's quite lucky, you know. Yeah. Oh no, I remember I went to a couple of the a couple of the filmings. I think it was the over seventy fives uh, football match, and the, oh, yeah. the the very final one. Um, and I remember um, going to the filming, and then I went home the next day, and my dad was like, "Did you hear about Dermot Morgan?" And I was like, "Oh no, what? I, I saw him last night." And you know, and obviously the news had broken wow. then about Der- Dermot's passing and stuff, and it's just. Yeah, just incredible, you know. And it doesn't, it doesn't, it just feels it, like yesterday, you know. Incredible that it was the day after yeah. the shop, very last episode. Well, the yeah. last episode, they were, they were intending that to be the last episode of Father Ted. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I couldn't believe it. I was shocked when I got the call. Yeah, yeah, unbelievable. No, he was doing, um, he was doing like a shaft thing, <laughs> the shaft thing, and they kept making him do retakes and retakes and retakes. And I was like, oh my god, they're gonna. Do you know what I mean? They're going to wear him out if they kept uh, getting him to do the same scene over and over again. But yeah, yeah, it was just unbelievable. And it was, I don't know, it was weirdly timed as well that it was kind of the last episode, you know? That's how weird it was, like a day later. And yeah. I mean, it, 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 people might think that was the last episode because he died, but, that, but no, it was definitely, they were intending that there would never, they'd be, there would be no more episodes. Now, who knows if he didn't die? Who knows? But, but uh, Art and Graham were adamant that that would be the last episode they were finishing it and then he dies a day later it's just unbelievable yeah yeah oh and now you've got this new uh father ted musical obviously that um arthur and graham and neil hannon are working on at the moment you know you might get a part in it you never know get you get you in the uh, uh, musical yeah i don't know i mean there's been readings and and read-throughs and everything so yeah. i haven't been involved in that I, I don't know i mean i think they want to keep I don't think they want any of the actors from the original. No, energy. I'd say it'd be a bit weird, yeah. wouldn't it, if they got, do you know what I mean? Well, you know, because I'm attached, I'm like uh, attached to that character, Damo, so it'd be very weird if I was, and Damo would, is not in the musical, so it'd be just weird if I was playing a different character. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, so like working with Pat McDonnell, um, obviously that's kind of what you're doing at the moment, you tour together. Um, how did that partnership come about? Oh yeah, well we were we kind of worked together, I'm sure, before we did Father Ted. Like we were, we got on like and uh, and then uh, yeah, because we were doing stuff, we were doing that this thing called the Pound Shop Boys, and and then it just because we were in Father Ted, like then we just it became more and more we were we were being booked together without yeah, other people would just say we want to book the two of you together, yeah. you know. So 
then we were like, wow, if people are booking us together so much, we should really just tour together and uh, uh, we just got to, you know, use the father set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, use it. And uh, at this stage, yeah, I think we're we're happy with that, you know. Yeah, We're happy not? that we're whatever and like we're doing our own stand up I mean we were you know you can't just go on and say we're in Father Ted and then not be uh, five minutes in if you're not good you're not good yeah <laughs> so uh, we're, we're uh, happy to do that now you know we've done gigs all over the place uh, including uh, over in the UK and stuff and in fact I think yeah we're going to be booked to do a gig over in Dubai now oh, wow. next, uh, in April so yeah, I love all the little yeah. videos and stuff. The little, <laughs> the little music videos that you put you you post on Facebook every now and again. These are like Irish. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, the the smugglers. Yeah, yeah. The smugglers. Hey, I've worked a lot with Paul Woodfull as well, who was heavily uh, quite involved with Father Ted. He's yeah, the on Harry Bowsies as well. Uh, Paul Woodfull is actually uh, working on the musical as well as Neil Hannon yeah. on the musical side of it. Uh, we did a thing called the Harry Bowsies. Harry Bowsies, yeah. Did a lot of, of musical videos as well. Very good, very good. So, um, like most Irish comedians, you seem to travel a lot. Um, so, what's your what's been your favourite place to perform? Abroad, you mean? Mm. Outside of Ireland, you must have yeah. been some uh, weird places. Well, I like doing gig. Oh, I just got the tough one now. Woo! Um, like you know. Uh, uh, probably the most satisfying gig, maybe. Sometimes, I'll tell you what, when you go abroad, you quite often play to expats. Yeah, but yeah. I did a gig in Moscow to Muscovites. Oh, my God. They were all Russian audience. <laughs> and with a, some of them were listening to a translator, actually. But, but that went well, and that was quite satisfying, you know, when you get, oh, yeah, that, that, that the comedy's translating to people who are so far away from Ireland. It's not, it's quite satisfying when you know that you can, you, you're, what you're doing is translating to those people as well so that was quite interesting and then I do a lot of, a lot of good food, lovely gigs in them in America in uh, Chicago I love Chicago love Chicago mm. actually. and I've done uh, some lovely gigs in Chicago so I'll tell you either Moscow or Chicago yeah so I mean have you played any weird venues you must have sort of gotten to a venue and gone oh my god this what what is going on with this place <laughs> I've done loads of venues <laughs> and I'm going what the hell what, who thought this was a good idea <laughs> Uh, I've you know I've done a venue where they uh, you write, I write in and they I said where's the sound system and they went and they pointed at the DJ's microphone which is like it's just in a little booth <laughs> I don't know why <laughs> they thought that would be okay that I could do stand up in a DJ booth with a mic lead that only stretched about two feet <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I mean it's very weird doing. I don't know what people think when they... Uh, all, all you need for a comedy uh, gig to go well is to uh, have a good you know, microphone, mic stand, and good lights. Yeah. But it's amazing how many times that that, that is not provided. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, like when you're not going to say to a band, like a band just, uh, there you are now, we've no amps for you or whatever. Yeah. But you, yeah, you'll be fine, won't you? <laughs> <laughs> I've had some weird ones over in New York actually in the Bronx I was doing a gig with um, the guy the brother of the guy who who, who uh, wrote Angela Fashion oh right uh, who wrote uh, Frank McCourt Frank McCourt um, yeah Frank McCourt's brother who was a bit of a raconteur and uh, a, uh, quite a character actually and uh, but he had done his set and then he sat down in the front row with his 
daughter and during my set he started I didn't know there was some kind of a fuss going on and he started having some kind of a heart attack or something. Oh, no. <laughs> it wasn't it he didn't die but uh I couldn't go because eventually he was just lying on the floor and loads of people around him so I had to stop my set. Oh my and then ambulance was called. And like that was about <laughs> five years ago and he's alive and well now. <laughs> and I just think he thought I was going too well and uh, <laughs> decided to completely ruin my gig <laughs> by faking oh. a heart attack. Yeah, yeah. So, Oh my god! Go to go to those extremes. <laughs> uh, oh dear! Yeah, that was a weird one. Um, yeah, I'd say it was. Um, so, where do you get your material from? Are you kind of are you a bit of a magpie? Do you kind of are you always kind of on the lookout for ideas? And how do you remind yourself? Um, do you carry a notebook or anything? Yeah, I do carry a notebook. I mean, my, well, my phone actually. I I have uh, ideas uh, quite often come to me. I don't know when I'm driving for some reason. I think it's because it's like. Uh, it's a time you can have a few hours where you're not really your mind starts wandering and you can I can sing and talk to my sing to myself and talk to myself and just come up with mad stuff and record and then I record it on the phone or I write I write a note on the phone uh, and then go back to it later. But the, at the end of the day, the, I couldn't rely on that. I would have I have to at some point in the year start sitting down and writing. You know, say okay, I'm going to write from ten to twelve or whatever. And whatever I write would be, even if it's rubbish, I'll just keep writing. Eventually something happens. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about your comedy heroes. Who did you kind of look up to when you were starting out in comedy? Who did I uh, Well, when I was starting out, there was a lot of people coming over, like, uh, believe it or not, like there was a little circuit for a while where the, there was a gig out in the Dunleary and, uh, there was another one in Bray briefly, and then there was a project theatre on Whelan's Act. And uh, like Jack D came over and mm. did that circus, and I thought, I thought he was amazing. There was a guy called uh, what's his name, something Cornwell, who who was a great impressionist anyway. He did, uh, and, and I liked that kind of stuff. I mean, obviously, but before I did comedy at all, uh, the young ones were yes, yeah. You know, brilliant to me, amazing. Where that kind of brought the whole punk energy of punk into comedy, and uh, and then before that, uh, Derek and Clive. You know, the uh, before that. I mean, but you know, it's very hard to. You know, I mean, obviously, like uh, I, I wasn't. That's that's before I was doing comedy, and mm. since I've done comedy, and then I started listening to Richard Pryor and the American stuff for stand up. I still think the Americans are the best stand-up comedians because they have a history of it that goes way back to the 50s, whereas stand-up comedy in the UK is very new. Ireland is incredibly new, you know. It only started in the 90s, I think, you know. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, the Irish comedians, a lot of, you know, people like uh, Dara Breen, obviously, and Ed Byrne, they've all kind of migrated over to London, as that seems to yeah. be where, where the work is, you know. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm not saying we've done very well as far as stand-up comedians, but when I started out, we didn't know. Like, I yeah. mean, a, a lot of it was very much sketchy, sketch, sketch comedy, or, or like it was, uh, it was um, uh, Ardell, Barry, and Kevin were in a sketch group called Mr. Trellis, and me and Paul, uh, dub, Paul Tylock in a double act, and we all did stand-up, but we weren't sure how to do it. Mm. So... So I think that made a lot of us unique then. Yeah. 
because and we had a, and we were able to kind of develop that uh, unique aspect uh, in Dublin, and then like people like Ardell, uh, Dylan Moran, Moran, uh, I know they call Moran now, but um, <laughs> and Tommy Tiernan or whatever. Uh, arrived, went over to went, when they went to London, they were developed. They had developed a style, so they weren't just fine. They found their voice, and it was always unique. And Chicken Barn, of course, then always unique. Every one of them are completely different. Yeah. Um. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was a shock when they arrived over to London. People were going, "What? Where did these people come from?" <laughs> they'd already done maybe. They'd done. They arrived over there as newbies, but then, in fact, they'd actually probably done two years honing it yeah. in Ireland, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, obviously a lot of expats uh, in London. Do you know what I mean? Half of London is Irish, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but like, you know, the expats didn't like Father Ted when mm. it started. Yeah. Yeah, true. They, 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 they were the main objectors to Father Ted. It's the expats. They didn't like the idea that it uh, made fun of the Catholic church, uh, church and the fact that Father Jack was an alcoholic. <laughs> they didn't like yeah. that. Um, aspect and um, but they came around to it eventually of course but it was kind of a sign of maturity of I think of Irish people that now we can laugh at ourselves it's like owning yeah owning the because other before that of course there were the paddy jokes the jokes about the Irish or the English making paddy jokes but then when Father Ted came along, it was like, oh, it's like owning, owning that. We're, we're going to make jokes about ourselves. Thanks very much. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to make, and we're going to do them better than you can do. <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit now about music. Um, so obviously you've got a lot of sort of music influences in your comedy. Um, so what kind of mm-hmm. stuff are you into? Have your tastes changed have you, as you've gotten older? Oh, yeah, they have changed. I mean, uh, I, I uh, my, because my son is in a band, I probably, uh, and in a, quite pop band poppy band I've taken an interest in um, new pop and stuff like that uh, so now like, I'd say uh, um, Christine and the Queens mm-hmm. were the, one of my favourite uh, Charlie XCX <laughs> and uh, no I actually I'm really into like listening to that kind of stuff because it's not as when you start listening to some of that stuff it's a little bit it's poppy yeah. but there's some crazy like interesting stuff in there as well and Rose, Rosalia the Barcelona singer amazing um, uh, King Princess I really like now uh, so I started listening to uh, uh, I started listening to modern pop uh, and I'm I'm really into that now probably two years ago I would have uh, dismissed it mm. as shy it's rubbish <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I'm kind of it's all about production and all that kind of stuff, but that's the way it's gone now. Like oh, say yeah. when you were uh, when it was punk music, production was no one thought about. It was kind of probably not even cool to produce your records really yeah. well, but now it is because you can do that in your own bedroom. You can produce an amazing single mm. if you're a good producer in your own bedroom with a laptop which is it's cool yeah I mean what sort of stuff were you listening to as a teenager they kind of say you know what we listen to in our in our teenage years kind of shapes us yeah well when I was starting out when I when I was like young we only had a few records in the house so I was Mm. listening to my brother's records and they were they would have been like Tin Lizzy 
Wings, <laughs> Venus and Mars, that album, uh, 10CC. Uh, well, my first single that I bought uh, was either, it was, it was, I think it was 10CC and Mandy Fly Me. Uh, or, uh, there was another single I bought by Wizard. Right. Wizard. <laughs> uh, Roy Wood. Roy yeah. Wood and Wizard. And then my first album was uh, Bowie, was uh, Stage, the live double album. And the reason I bought that is because I had more songs on it than a single album <laughs> <laughs> for a similar price. And uh, and it's actually a brilliant album. Though. And then, uh, and I was also into, like, when I was about 11, I was really into ABBA. <laughs> I was really into ABBA. <laughs> I think we've all been there. And then, uh, and then it was, but then I heard the Boomtown Rats, and I thought, what the hell? This is amazing stuff. Yeah, and yeah. then I got a subscription to the Hot Press magazine and there was a free album and that was uh, Elvis Costello. And it took me it took me a few listens to get into it. But then once I got into Elvis Costello, I was really a big fan. And then Ian Dury, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And, th- and, then, and then it was more... Uh, oh, yeah. And like then it was like postcard records, like bands like Orange Juice, uh, what you call... Uh, Aztec Camera... Mm-hmm. And, and the indie indie kind of uh, Scottish music, or, or, for some reason, I don't know, postcard records anyway. Uh, and I had a friend then who was really, he had a, job, a really good job and he was buying lots of records. And then there was a lot of reggae stuff. Anyway, I, it just kept changing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as I said, they, they kind of say that, you know, music that you, even the, the music your parents listen to, um, it kind of seeps into your into your brain, you know, and kind of, I don't know whether it shapes shapes yeah. you as an adult. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I mean, my parents bought a record player, and, and then they had two records with it. One was Tijuana Brass. Oh, nice! It was like instrumental. Class. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the other, and the other one was uh, what's it called John, John McCormick. John McCormick, the Irish tenor. <laughs> and uh, I did even listen to that because it was just it was music, you know, and it was quite an it's quite an escape. Uh, and it's quite interesting that if you're that with Spotify you can find music so quickly, but if mm. you've only got four records in the house, you can still get in. You find something in those records. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that's kind of good. That it kind of forces you to listen to stuff you mightn't like, but you kind of if you're really into music, you'll find something in even the music that you don't like you'll hear something that you like and no, but anyway it's quite interesting I loved music it was an escape my mother was quite sick and when I was she died when I was 11 and, and I think music was an escape for me from mm. all of that stuff and I really got into I, I would always prefer if I moved into a new place uh, the first thing I want is music before I'd have a TV or anything like that you know yeah, I mean, were you a were you a, f- a fan of vinyl? Would you have had like a discman and stuff when you were when you were younger? I didn't have a discman. No, I mean, look, I'd, it was vinyl for ages, and I resisted CDs quite a lot uh, for a good while, and then eventually it just I said oh, I have to buy them, and uh, and I was buying cassette tapes as yeah, well. Like, yeah, I still have yeah. loads. I still have them, but uh, I used to love making. Uh, you know, mixtapes. Mixtapes, yeah. People. And, yeah. Uh, but it was vinyl for a long time. Mm. Uh, a long time. It was a great way of finding out about new music, though, wouldn't it? You, you'd make tapes for your friends. This is what I'm listening to at the moment. You, maybe you'll like it as well. 
There was a lot of that back in the day. Yeah, you know, there. yeah, it was really good. Yeah, yeah, and it was great to mix, uh, uh, you know, mix up different kinds of music, or maybe try and go for a theme, uh, uh, you know, nighttime or something, or or driving tapes that you put in for the car, especially for the car. Lots of like, at least I thought Simple Minds were brilliant yeah. for driving. Actually, yeah. uh, their earlier stuff, and. Uh, yeah, I loved making tapes. It was great. It was absolutely great. I mean, I still play. I like making playlists on Spotify. Still mm. like doing, I like doing that now. Oh, there's uh, just so much out there, isn't there? It's just it's just crazy. You could, you know, there's it's so much new new music out there to be discovered. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's weird though. I I, I kind of uh, really blanked out on uh, hip hop, but now I'm now I'm kind of interested in listening just kind of figuring out what happened in hip hop from the 90s onwards and mm. so I'm kind of checking out old hip hop and uh, there's a great Netflix series about uh, the old hip hop uh, hip hop from New Orleans and Texas and uh, I've just listened watching that recently and so I'm stopping it and checking out the songs and then finding them on Spotify and putting them on a playlist and so like that it's quite it yeah. yeah, so uh, I kind of blanked on it a bit, the old hip-hop. I thought, uh, it was a bit stupid of me. I thought, it's <laughs> all rubbish, you know. <laughs> no, but as you say, your, your tastes change, don't don't they? You know, even in sort of decades, you, what you're listening to now, it could be totally different in, say, 10 years' time. I think so, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I'm a, yeah, I really believe that. But, I mean, I don't. I think some people get stuck. Yeah. And they they only listen to the the music of their youth but mm. I really don't like that I like discovering new music I like listening to what and it helps me that my son is into music because I can he's playing something and I go geez that's really good who yeah. are they you know and here so through that oh, and my daughter as well my daughter kind of brought me to see I was at Glastonbury with my daughter last oh, cool. year and she said uh, I brought her see King Princess and then we were like who's on next and she brought me down to this Rosalia and uh, oh, I thought she was amazing. So uh, and then I brought her to see Lizzo. She hadn't heard heard of Lizzo. Oh wow! And uh, she loved Lizzo. <laughs> yeah, everyone's loving Lizzo at the moment, aren't they? She's just so amazing. Oh, she's amazing. She was amazing live. She's such a positive and also incredibly funny and witty as well. You know. Mm. So, I mean, doing com- comedy gigs and stuff, um, do you get much time to go and see live music as much as you'd like to? Uh, no, I don't get to... I, I do in one sense because I get to go to festivals. So I've, I've got to, to... Through comedy, I got to the last three Glastonbury and uh, also the Electric Picnic every year and the All Together Now Festival. So that way I get to see music. But uh, and the other way, uh, another way I don't because I'm gigging on Fridays and Saturdays. Mm. So. In that sense, I don't, or, or you know, I, whatever. If I book a gig, or I buy tickets for a gig, and then I go, and then something comes in on that night, and I go, oh, God, you know what I mean? I need the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I tend not to book a gig in advance in case. Yeah, it must be difficult kind of juggling. Well, it's difficult to go to see individual gigs, but it's great. I get to see a ton of music. At the festival, yeah, and I just up and and I um that kind of keeps me. I update myself on everything that's happening in one go. <laughs> yeah, 
Uh, and uh, yeah, Ireland seems that. to be getting a lot better for festivals, doesn't it? Music festivals and even comedy festivals as well. There seems to be a lot more than there was, say, you know, again, 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Electric Picnic's pretty good lineup. I, I, like last year, it was, it had a lot of acts that, that had done Glastonbury, you know. It, and if you're not going to the massive acts, the pyramid stage in Glastonbury, discounting that, like you know they had Christine and the Queens as well and mm. I saw her twice last year and they just had really good acts you know uh, and then I like it all together now because it's so it's a nice small what they call a boutique festival isn't it but it's nice and you get to see new up and coming bands as well mm. yeah and, the pic- picnic's really great for finding new people you know you could just wander into a tent and if you like what you hear then do you know what I mean? Yeah. You stay and listen to it. You, I always find I, I'll find I'll always find at least five new bands from going to Electric Picnic. You'll always find something new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I saw I think the best gig I saw at the Electric Picnic was about an Irish band called Thumper last year, and they're like a great guitar band, and they were just amazing, incredible energy on stage, and they're doing well now. Actually, they're touring all over UK and Europe, so. They're a good band. Yeah. No, I know there was a lot of talk about them. A lot of people were talking about them, uh, you know, in the crowds and stuff at Picnic. So they're definitely... Oh, were uh, they? Yeah, definitely one to watch, I think. People were saying, oh, did you see... Yeah, and they've been them? on my podcast. And I, I interviewed them on the podcast and I didn't know anything about them. But they contacted me mm. said, because I, I don't know why. Anyway, and, <laughs> uh, and when I was interviewing them, they weren't even sure if they had the picnic or whatever. And it seemed like... Uh, like just since the podcast and nothing to do with my podcast by the way but they've done they're doing just amazingly well so yeah. that's great I think it's when they released their that single um, that first single that, that oh I can't remember the name of the last single they gave me anyway it's just brilliant you're bringing me down I think it's called mm. fantastic well thank you so so much for chatting with me today Joe it's been an absolute privilege oh no thanks Paula uh, yeah been a good chat actually i love chatting about music